It's time for another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Steve. How you guys doing out there? Hope everybody's doing well. Still social distancing. Still washing your hands repeatedly. Still wearing your masks. Steve and I are masked up as we sit here. I have on that mask like the Hamburglar. <laughs> Just I a little have, one around the eyes. I have one like Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when uh, all of a sudden Kane could start talking? Remember he didn't talk before? He couldn't talk. And then all of a sudden he started talking. He has to be one of the coolest bad guys there is. Oh, Kane? Yeah. yeah oh, I yeah. mean, I almost rooted for him. Oh, I used to root Just for Kane all the talks. time. Yeah, all the time. I thought it was cool that The Undertaker's brother is named Kane. Yes, <laughs> yes. I thought that was cool. For all you old WWF yeah. listeners. Did you see that movie Kane was in called See No Evil? I think it was See No Evil. I don't think I did. I think it was See No Evil. Well, he was, uh, of course, it was a bunch of teenagers. They were like, I, I, I might get this wrong because I've seen 100 movies like this, but I think they were like juvenile detention or something, and they had to go clean up this old rickety house, of course. It was something like that. And then Kane just picked them off one by one because he was living in the walls, of course. <laughs> Speaking of living in the walls, what was that movie where the, they did live under the stairs? Was that people? I think it was literally the people under the stairs, yeah, yeah. I think. If we're talking about the same yeah. one. I think that was it, yeah. Yeah, so Kane was uh, like living in the... <laughs> it was actually pretty good. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I think it was C... No well, you know, if you look up Kane, it's not like 20 movies are going to pop up. You know, you'll find it. Well, let me tell you this movie I saw yesterday, All right. since we're talking about it. Right. And we've got... It's kind of a scary movie, so... Well, it's not wasn't scary at all, but... Uh, it was Mark of the Vampire. Have you seen that? 1933. No, I haven't seen that. Mark of the Vampire was the vampire in the movie was Bella Lugosi. Of course. And he had a woman who was like his. You know how he's always, how he's all, the vampires always got those women with him. Right. Right. Familiars. Yes. Yes. No. No. This was a vampire. Oh, it was a woman vampire. Yeah, it was a woman vampire. Um, so the movie is about, again, somebody gets killed, somebody gets bit in the neck. The whole movie goes throughout. No one knows what it is except one guy. He knows, you know, like Van Helsing, he knows it's a vampire. Nobody else so, can figure it out. No. Um, literally, Bella Lugosi plays Count Mora. Mm. He basically plays Dracula. Right, right. And I believe this other girl is probably his daughter. Real pale-skinned, everything, you know. Right. And, and, but she doesn't bite anybody. But she stands outside the castle, and when tourists go by, they see her at night and get scared. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole town is scared of vampires. So four or five people die in the movie. And what happens is... At the very end, they're trying to catch the vampire. So, one guy is passed out from drinking, mm -hmm. and he's laying on the table. And another guy who's there with him 
he takes a pair of scissors, mm-hmm. he heats them up, and he pokes two holes in the guy's neck. Mm-hmm. Okay? Think mm-hmm. about it. And before he pokes the holes in the guy's neck, the guy laying on the table was faking, grabs him by the arm, and says, aha, we have the killer. Here comes the inspector, and, and here comes Count Mora, who was dressed as a vampire, says, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and took his cape off. He wasn't really a vampire. That they was put it. this elaborate scene really? to catch this one guy <laughs> trying. <laughs> he literally took off his cape and said, Inspector, is that all you needed from me? He said, yep. And he went back to his other job. I don't know what it was. That was it. That was it. And he that's called Mark of the Vampire. <laughs> Mark of the Vampire. And, and the lady was there, too. And she says, have we done? That's all. That was the only word she said. That was the only word she said. And no, they no. said, yep. And off they both went. They were just... Actors. That was the, cra- the, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Oh. I, I didn't even know about this no. movie. It was on um, Turner Classic. Oh, yeah. So Turner Classic had like five. They had Freaks on. <laughs> Have you seen Freaks? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's. That's the one where um, the girl, uh, they, they can stop time or, and they live in the neighborhood. They, and the guy drives the ice cream truck. They're all um, circus freaks. Oh, no, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry. You said Turner Classic. Sorry. No, I was thinking of a more up-to-date movie. Yeah, they're all... You, you have to see it. It's like a classic. I remember that one. I don't remember a lot about it, but I know what you mean now. I was confusing it. There's another movie called Freaks where, where um, Bruce Dern drives an ice cream truck. It's kind of complicated. But anyway, so you watch that one too, yeah. Freaks? Yeah, both movies were absolutely... He, well, the first one, The Market of Vampire, kind of right. uh, kind of gave you a surprise ending. Right. Well, not for me now. And, you know, those old movies are like 76 minutes long. <laughs> right, that's so, it. So, I mean, it's not like you're killing They were in and out. Yeah, you're in and out. So, the other thing I want to talk about was the Vegas trip. Oh, yeah. You know, we was going to do all of our interviews. We had yeah. all the rooms set up. We had the luxury suite at the El Cortez, and yesterday we get a thing from Delta. Right. Itinerary change. Yeah. We usually take the direct flight, obviously. I mean, last year we flew out in our own jet, but we take the direct flight usually. And um, now they're rerouting us through Detroit. And I don't know about you, but I just can't take those reroutes. No. And rerouting us through Atlanta on the yeah. way home. They're just tuning up to cancel it, that's all. And, you know, that's like an extra hour each way. We can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's taken away from... Uh, taken away from gambling. Yeah, that's crazy. Which there'll probably be nothing to bet on. No. So uh, we may have to cancel our trip this year. Yeah. Get a credit. It's not looking good. Nevada is way up there in cases. Las Vegas is way up in Nevada. Case-wise, and um, the uh, restaurant workers and the casino workers are all talking about filing suits or, or, or striking or whatever. So by September, it, it, it'll all be gone. Because the bars are now closed. Some of them, anyway, yeah. are closed. So, and, and some friends of mine, some people I know went out there. I think I already said this a couple, well, now maybe four weeks ago. And they said it was no nightlife. None. Nobody's out at night doing anything, which is okay with us. But yeah, um, you just, we're in bed at eight o'clock. Or right, uh, staring out the window. 
But no buffets. That is the That's killer. killer. No buffets. And no buffets. They went down on Fremont, and they said it was crowded, but not really. And um, he said it was pretty. At nighttime, he said it was like a ghost town. And and we used to like to walk um, walk down Fremont at night, just kind of hang out and people watch. They had bands down there, three or four bands playing. So that was kind of interesting to do that. But uh, he said none of that was going on. None of that. Well, I'm I'm assuming that nobody, there's not enough people on the direct flight. Oh, that's so, exactly what it so was. So they're taking it to Detroit. Next, next it'll be Cincinnati to Detroit to Chicago. Right. It'll stop in 15. It'll be like being on the Greyhound. Yeah. Then we'll you got to take. Then you have to take a bus to the next flight and yeah. all, all that. You know, what yeah. is it? Planes, trains, and automobiles. It'll be like that. You yeah. Know? It's, it, I I think unless something drastic comes about. Right. I think this is going to be put on hold for a year. Right. Which is okay. Or, or two. Yeah, or two. Whenever um, they find a cure. Oh, I don't know if you've noticed. You know how those clowns, like, well, look, for instance, we had a guy here. The Bengals started out, what, 0-12 last year? Right. And a guy sat up on the, uh, up on a roof yeah. until they won a game. Right. I'm not going to go that drastic, but I refuse to cut my hair until we find a cure for corona. <laughs> it's been four and a half months now. So uh, that's going to be some long hair, so, yeah. son. <laughs> yeah, I can almost put in a, a ponytail. I think I think you need to reword it, though. You need to say until they find a vaccine. Yeah, they'll never find a cure. Yeah. No, I'll be like Moses <laughs> right. when it's a cure. But that doesn't mean facial hair, though. No, no, I can't stand that. Right. So, so yeah, I'm a, I, maybe I'll do that. My hair will look exactly this length. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. I think that's what I'm gonna do. It's been almost four months since I've had a haircut. Right. It looks it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you you can tell with yours. You wouldn't be able to tell with mine, but you can tell with yours. But well, so we'll see. You know, maybe I, I don't know. But you know, there's plenty of casinos around here. You know, matter. But our big thing was we want to go out there and sit in the sports book, but. We have a sports book here, but it's not like Vegas, you know. Well, the good thing is if we wait, that new hotel will be open downtown. That's true. It opens in December. And there'll only be like six people there, so. Probably by next year, um, they'll find a, a, well, you know they'll find a cure after the election. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's either working. Or, yeah, like on November 4th, they'll say, look. Yeah. It's amazing. Yes, it's either working. What we is that, the Bride of Frankenstein? He's, she's alive. You know? We will either find a cure. We'll either stop terrorism. Yeah, something. Something right before the election. So, right. Something will happen. Yeah. Something. So, so what else is going on? Let's uh, on. Let's see. See, this is, oh. this is the part of the show yeah. where Steve and I act like we don't talk every day. So we act, yeah. like, we, we act like we haven't talked in a week. So, Steve. What have you been doing since the last time we talked? Absolutely. Well, anyway, listen, I got one story I got. And, you know, we kind of mix it up. And, but we're really not huge baseball fans. No, Except really. to bet on it. Oh, well, yeah. And that's why we lose, because we're not fans. We don't know nothing about it. But <laughs> I like their color of their uniforms. I'm putting $100 on them. I don't know if you saw, you know, the, the league is going to a 60-game schedule. Right. And I saw today that uh, the Toronto Blue Jays cannot host any home games. I saw that. Because so Canada to, won't let anybody in, yeah, right? right. They won't let those stinking Americans in. Right. So where are they going to play? I guess they're on the road. All the, all time. the time. All the time. 
What sixty games? That's nothing. Yeah, it's not. It's not that much. Oh, the core extra dog. The watchdog. The watchdog. She's on the something. She hears something. Took her a while to get up. She's fourteen. She's She's a junkyard dog. (laughs) (laughs) So, what were you saying about baseball? Um, I was just saying that they're going to be playing on the road. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it matters with sixty games. No. That's 20 less than they would play on the road yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it's not too bad. But, but, you, um, but you said you had a story. Oh, yeah, I do have a story. I have a great story. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of – both of us have a story. Mm-hmm. But I want to throw this one in because it's a shorter story. Um, I work – and I don't know if I told this story before, but I work at Spring Grove Cemetery. Um, great place to work. Um, best job I ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I retired, so I do the, I worked there three days a week, six hours a day. Right. Just enough to have spending money. And it's just, it's a fantastic job. If you've ever been to Spring Grove, if you haven't been to Spring Grove, it's on the National Historic uh, Registry. Come down, you'll love it, it's a great time. But my story is this. We have to arm certain buildings on the, on the property. And every employee is given a code, just like, you know, at your office when you open up the front door to get in. Everybody's given a code. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you leave, they, they take your code. You know, you're done. They take it out of the system. Well, we had a guy who worked there 20, 20 years as security. You know him, Bob Store. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Bob. Mm-hmm. He's passed on now. But he worked there for 20 years. And Bob always told us, he said, that um, we would always say, well, you know, we're going to work here seven more years, eight more years, till, till you know, we can collect Social Security, too. Right. You know, and then we don't have to work here no more. Right. Although, you can work there till you're 90 years old, literally 90. Right. Um, so Bob would always say, you know, I'm going to work here till I die. He says, I can't afford it. Um, and, that, and, you know, that, that's the way his story went. So Bob eventually, he gets a little confused. I'm going to put it that way. So they have to retire Bob. Right. And um, so they take Bob's uh, number out of the system. Okay. So about a year later, Bob passes. Great guy. Great time. Uh, and, and we're talking that's in 2000, probably 14. Right. Since Bob's passed, three separate times, his code has been used to unlock doors at Spring Grove Cemetery. Who's using them? We don't know. We don't know. His, and the funny thing is, one was at 11 p.m., one was at 2 in the morning, and one was at 4 in the morning. Is and, that when he worked? No, but no one works at his hours. There's not a person in there. Really? And they're used to unlock his office, literally his office to go in. Really? And then about three minutes later, they set the alarm for him to leave. So you can take the, you know, you can take it on your own to think what, but his code is literally out of the computer. His code doesn't work. No one has his code, but someone comes in three times, once on Christmas, at midnight, punches in, and then punches out two minutes later. So you mean to tell me 
His code is being used, like, from beyond? Yes. That's what we're insinuating. That That's crazy. Somebody could be. We got to go down there and do a core extra paranormal investigation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, I can get interviews with tons of people from down there. That is who have crazy. Seen things. Man, nobody's seen Bob now. Right. But, yeah, so it, you talk to the front office and they say it's virtually impossible for anyone to do that. Damn. So, um, and that's in a cemetery. It's in the cemetery. Is he buried in that cemetery? Yep. Oh. Yep. He's buried there. Oh. So that's happened three times. So you take that with a grain of salt. I'd quit. Whether or not, <laughs> whether or not it's true. Well, or, it must be true that somebody's using yeah, it. Yeah, somebody using it. But who would use it for two minutes right. to go in, come out of his office? Every time it's been about two minutes. Two minutes, yeah. Just enough time to, I don't know, whatever he did. Sure. You know, sign in. That's scary. Um, and, oh, and one of the times his, um, when I say punch in, you have to punch in to undo the lock. Right. And then we have a time clock. And one of the times his last four digits of secure number punched in. No. To the time clock. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No. no. Are Which, you kidding you know, me? Nobody would know that. Yeah, how would somebody know that? Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. Uh -uh. That's, that's a fact. That is a scary story. You I know, mean, things happen. I mean, I, I listen to some of these paranormal things uh, and I watch some of them on TV sometimes, some of them on TV. And there's some weird stuff happening. I don't know what the answer is, but sometimes it's stuff you can't explain. You can't explain it. You just, some of these things you can't explain. But, you know... Uh, wouldn't be fun if you could explain everything. Right, right. You know, oh, that's what it is. That's how he did it. Right, right. Like you a magic know. trick. Like magic tricks, yeah. Like making the Empire State Building disappear, the Hoover Dam. <laughs> right. you, you know, he made it disappear. Nobody got flooded out. No homes were lost. <laughs> right. No people died. But it just disappeared. Water stood there. He had Moses. <laughs> 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 you know, speaking of that, I saw this thing on uh, on YouTube that talked about Chris Angel. Yes. Know. And other magicians were saying, well, what he's doing is really not magic. He's doing digital manipulation. So they're saying, like they were talking to Penn and Teller, they're saying, like, when you see him levitate in a parking lot, if you just pull the camera around to the other side, you're seeing he's being held up with a crane. And all of those people that are onlookers are just are setups, you know. Now, this is according to them, not no. me, according to other magicians. And they say some of the other things that he does are just stunts. And, like, he'll hire 20 people to act like they're part of the crowd, and, and they put on the stunt. And he said, I'm not saying he's not a magician, but I'm saying when you see the street magic, this, these are just put-ons, you know. Or sets that he's built, like like they'll that he's built. They'll say, "Well, here I'm going to go through this wall right here," and he's like, "It's not a random wall. They're on a lot, and it's a set. You, right. you know what I mean?" Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's on. If you look on YouTube, uh, Penn and Teller talks a lot about it, and they say, I'm "Not saying he's not a magician, just saying those things are not magic. They're just no, digital so tricks." You know. You know, like you said, we know the, the Empire State Building didn't disappear. No. 
So when Copperfield made it disappear, it had to be some kind of digital or mirrors or whatever. I noticed that a lot of those guys on YouTube, just your everyday magicians do that. You know how they'll throw water in the air and it, right. and, you know, they stop it real, you know, you can tell it's been cut yeah. and a rabbit comes out of the water. <laughs> right. So, you know. right. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool that they can do that. Yeah. But you have to take it for what it is. Yeah, you got to take it for what Now, it is. you know, I guess our girl out there in Vegas that's going to show us the greatest tr- illusion ever when she could just flat out disappear, uh, maybe it might not happen. Yeah, you claimed. Right. She claimed she just flat out she can disappear and reappear right in front of your eyes. No, 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 uh, what do you call it? Uh, no, no curtains or nothing. nothing. She said, put the camera on me and I'll disappear. Maybe when we blink, she disappears. You know? and, com- and comes back when we open our yeah. eyes back. <laughs> Ta-da. Just that fast. Yeah, that, see? You missed it. Don't blink. I told you in the beginning. <laughs> don't blink. You, uh, you'll miss it. So I understand you got a, a story to tell us today. Yeah, this is bizarre. So I was looking around on the web, just doing some things on Twitter and answering emails and stuff. And... and um, I come across this case. I see this. Somebody posted something in Twitter about Circleville letters. So I know there's a city, a town in Ohio called it, Circleville. Is it up by Dayton? No, Columbus. Columbus. It's okay. near Columbus. So I'm thinking, I'm wondering if it's the same one. So I start reading this story. Okay. And now I'm going to tell you the story. But now, I, I made some notes and wrote it out because it's so comp- not complicated, but it's kind of detailed and you got to follow it. So I'm going to read it. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, because I would have messed it up. Because you can't, I can't remember all of this. Plus, I probably wouldn't have been able to follow it unless you wrote it no. out. So, here's the story of the Circleville letters. Circleville is a town right outside of Columbus. Like I said, I think it's Pickway County. Okay, here's the Circleville letters. Okay. Now, get this. 1977. Okay. I was just a sophomore in high school. All right. So while you were a sophomore in high school, this is what was going on. Okay. So 1977, Circleville, Ohio. So there's a school bus driver named Mary Gillespie, and she started receiving anonymous threatening letters postmarked from Columbus. Now, in these letters, they were expressing anger that she, Mary Gillespie, was having an affair with the local school superintendent, Gordon Massey. Okay. And warned, warned her to come clean about it. So the letters are telling Mary Gillespie to come clean about this affair. Okay? So Mary kept this from her family until her husband, Ron Gillespie, received his own anonymous threatening letter warning him to inform the school board about the affair. So the Gillespie shared the letters with Ron's sister and brother-in-law, Karen and Paul Freshour. And since Mary had an idea who the letter writer might be, they decided on their own to send letters to this person advising him to stop. So, just to get it straight, right? the husband has now accepted that the wife was cheating on him. Well, he got a letter. He got a letter saying he was. Right. So she probably said, probably. this so, is wrong. Right. Okay, of course. So now, on August 19th, while his wife was away on the trip, Ron received a phone call at home which made him angry and compelled him to grab his gun. He told his children he was going to confront the letter writer and drove away in his pickup truck. Later that evening, Ron was discovered dead inside his truck, which had smashed into a tree. Now, even though his children did not believe 
uh, he looked drunk, Ron had a blood alcohol level of 0.16, which is high. High. Curiously, the legal limit. Curiously, Ron's gun had recently fired off a shot, but the bullet was never recovered. Now, in spite of all this, Pickaway County Sheriff ultimately ruled Ron's death to be an accident, but local residents started receiving their own anonymous letters, which revealed Mary Gillespie's alleged affair with Gordon Massey and accused the sheriff of orchestrating a cover-up. When Massey got divorced, Mary began a relationship with him, but always maintained their romance didn't start to after Ron's death. Okay. If you think that's crazy, yeah, get this. Mary started receiving threatening letters again in 1983. At around 3.30 p.m. On, on February 7th, Mary was driving her school bus route when she saw a threatening sign attached to a fence post which mentioned her daughter. So Mary pulled over to grab the sign. When she did so, she discovered that a piece of twine had been used to tie the sign in a small cardboard box which contained a loaded 25 caliber pistol. Since the trigger was tied to the, tied to the string, this seemed to be a crude booby trap intended to fire the gun at Mary when she ripped the sign down. Huh. But it never went off. So Mary turned the booby trap over to the police who discovered someone had made a half-assed attempt to rub off the gun's serial numbers. Now, this is 1983. It's six years later. Yeah. However, lab tests were able to make out the numbers, and the gun was matched to Mary's former brother-in-law, Paul Freshour. Who had recently divorced Ron's sister, Karen. Okay. All right. I got it. Since Paul won custody of the kids and their house, Karen was living in a trailer on Mary's property. (laughs) When questioned by the sheriff, Paul claimed he kept his gun hidden in his garage, but since he never used it or checked on it for years, he didn't know it was missing. So the sheriff also made Paul perform a handwriting test, which showed him the threatening letters had received, I'm sorry, a test in which he showed him the threatening letters Mary had received and asked Paul to copy them as closely as possible. So the sheriff thought the handwriting was close enough match and used the handwriting samples and Paul's gun as evidence to charge him with the attempted murder. Okay, let me ask you this. If someone asks you for handwriting, mm-hmm. how do you write? Yeah, oh, it looked like a three-year-old wrote it. <laughs> So Paul was found guilty and received a sentence of 7 to 25 years. However, there was compelling evidence to suggest Paul was innocent. Okay. Now, you might say, what is that evidence? What's the difference? So even though the sheriff told the press that Paul had confessed to writing 40 to 50 letters, Paul denied this and said that if he actually made a confession, why wasn't it recorded? Which is a good question. Paul's fingerprints were not found on the letters, gun, or booby trap. A search of his house failed to turn up any more corroborating evidence, such as ammunition or material used to construct the signs or the booby trap. Sounds like a setup. Mary Gillespie testified shortly after their divorce, Paul's ex-wife Karen confided in her that she believed Paul might have been the author of the threatening letters she'd received years earlier. Paul's response was, if Karen really believed I had done this, why didn't she ever mention it in divorce court? It's a good question. Good question. Even though Paul was not working on the day Mary found the threatening sign and booby trap, he had an alibi witness who placed him at his home between 12.30 and 4.30. The prosecution responded with a surprise rebuttal witness who testified he saw the sign along Mary's route between 11.30 a.m. and 12 p.m. that day, but he never noticed the police and no other witnesses reported seeing the sign before Mary found it at 3.30. 
years later, years later, years later, it was discovered that a key piece of evidence was withheld at trial. So 20 minutes before Mary discovered the booby trap, another school bus driver driving that route reported seeing a yellow El Camino parked, parked, let me go on to the page, parked at that spot, along with a sandy-haired man who did not match Paul's description. He did match the description of another man Karen Freshar was dating. At the time, and even though Paul did not own a yellow Camino, Karen El Camino, Karen's brother did. A, she's a hoa. She's a hoa. <laughs> Shoe prints were also found at the scene, which did not match Paul's size. Now, mind you, Paul's in prison. And he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. So after Paul was incarcerated in prison in Lima, a bunch more anonymous letters signed, Circleville writer, started being mailed to people all over central Ohio. Even though the letters were postmarked from Columbus, which is 90 miles away from Lima, the sheriff became convinced Paul was somehow sending the letters from prison. In response, Paul was placed in solitary confinement, denied access to writing materials, and was constantly monitored. But the letters kept being sent. Letters still coming. Paul's in solitary, letters still coming. Letters still coming. Still is coming. the guy who's writing the letters, does he realize Paul's in solitary? Well, we don't know who that is. We don't know, but I mean, wouldn't you think that Maybe it's time to stop maybe, writing. Maybe, they got the man. I did my job. All right. Now, All right. Even though the warden maintained it was impossible for Paul to have sent these letters, he was denied parole at his first hearing in 1990. A few days later, Paul was mailed an anonymous letter mocking him for this. All right. Paul didn't get paroled until May of 1994. Now, this, this dude been in prison since A394. With the support of an investigative journalist, the Circleville Letters case wound up being features on Unsolved Mystery. But while the show was working on the story, their office received an anonymous postcard signed the Circleville writer, which read, forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Radcliffe. That's the sheriff. If you come to Ohio, you El Sickos will pay. That's, that's what they got. So Paul Freshour attempted to clear his name and wrote a letter to the FBI asking them to investigate Gillespie, Ron Gillespie's death. Nothing ever came of it. And he passed away in 2012. So Paul, there's a belief. Paul did. Paul did. So there's a belief that, uh, that his attempted murder conviction was a frame-up orchestrated by the vindictive ex-wife Karen in response to their divorce. Karen was one of the only people who knew that Paul's gun was hidden in the garage and after Paul went to prison. Karen regained custody custody of their children and the house. So Paul go to prison, she gets custody of the kids in the house. It's suspected that the original series of letter from 19, letters from 1977 were written by a man named David Longberry, a school bus driver who worked alongside Mary Gillespie and was angry she rebuffed his romantic advances. A? She's a hoa. She's a hoa. In 1999, Longberry became a wanted fugitive after raping an 11-year-old girl and committed suicide while he was on the run. Is this the craziest story <sighs> oh, ever? Man. It's possible the Circleville letter saga was two different stories which were linked together when Karen Freshour used the original series of letters as an inspiration to concoct a plot to frame her ex-husband years later. Is that the craziest thing you've ever heard? Who... Yeah. And then the letters just stopped mysteriously. Now they just stopped and nobody knows who wrote them or anything. Maybe this Longberry dude wrote them, but he killed himself after raping 11 years. He killed himself. We don't think Paul did it, but he's dead. 
The only one that alive are the two ladies, right? Yeah. Can you believe that? Is that not the craziest story you ever heard? And it happened right up here, uh, an hour and a half from here. You know, I, I've never heard that story, and we live literally 100 miles away. Right. Never heard and, it. And I've never heard that story before. Right. But you know what? That could be a new segment, mm-hmm. and we'll call that the first installment of story time with Kurt and Steve. Oh, okay. And next week, be prepared for another edition of Story Time with Kurt and Steve. There you go. What else is going on, Steve? Did we did we cover everything? Uh, I don't know if we covered everything I had here. Oh, I do want to give a couple of notices. You know, I hate to say shout-outs because it sounds like I'm 16. But um, even though I really – oh, I didn't tell you. Uh, I'm going to have a big uh, – birthday party my birthday this year i'll finally be 25 yeah finally took a while took almost 58 years yeah 58 years to get it so i might cut that out okay so i want to give a couple of uh mentions to people uh number one the mallard report i might be mispronouncing that Uh, maybe it's mallard report um he runs a podcast and it's m-a-l-l-i-a-r-d is that about ducks you would think but uh, he kind of covers everything. He kind of does what we, what we do. He does it by himself. He just turns the mic on and rambles on on several topics. But he was nice enough to give us a shout-out. Oh, that's so, good. That's good. And, I wanted to, uh, and his yeah. podcast is good. I listened to about five or six episodes last night and the night before. But I um, wanted to mention him. And also, oh, I want to back up on the Circleville letters. I took a, a lot of that from the web, uh, Wikipedia. Uh, but I also took a lot of that from the written blog of the Trail Went Cold Weekly True Crime Podcast. So there's a podcast called The Trail Went Cold, and it's a weekly true crime podcast. So look that up. Uh, they cover some interesting things. I think it's a woman that does the uh, does the podcast, so she covers some, some um, interesting topics. I haven't listened to a lot of it other than the Circleville Letters, but I see the titles, you know. Yeah. So that's called The Trail Went Cold. So look that up and uh, support support that podcast if you can. Also, I want to just another hello to uh, Gio Savin, the people in India that's, oh, that's downloading right. us from Gio Savin. So India's going through some, through some tough times now with the coronavirus. So hopefully listening to us provides a little escape from what they're going through over there like we are. So, again, just hello to all our fans in India on Gio Savin. Because we're out, we're out back on the veranda again. I think I said last episode, we're probably going to podcast from here as long as the weather permits because uh, it's much nicer than being out, much nicer than being in the studio. But in the wintertime, I mean, we're in Ohio, so in the wintertime, we'll be in the studio. <laughs> yes. But uh, we, like being out, we like being out here, you know, better than being inside. Plus, we can social distance easily outside, you know. And we're in the sun. Everybody tells you be in the sun. It'll, yeah. It, it, it helps. So we're in the sun. We're on the veranda. It gets a little noisy because we're in the flight pattern of the of the uh, airport. Uh, but and you know the, what? The, the animals out here. And yeah. But you know what, though? I was thinking. I meant to ask you, you. We're not that close to the airport. No, we're about... Uh, um, I'd say about 14 miles away. So how come they're so low here? Well. Because we're really not that close to the airport. When they 
planes take off, they start at a lower trajectory, <laughs> and then they work their way up to higher 30,000 feet. So, Wait a so, minute. So, you know, remember how they take off and they, they zoom up to 30,000? We no. just happen to be in that area. I thought it was more. We're about it. They're, they're about 4,000. I thought it was like those jump jets in the in the in the, in the Marines. They just go straight up and take off at thirty thousand feet. Yeah, that's what I thought. So we just happened to be in the Ascension. Yes. District of the. Uh, yeah, airport. you know what? You never see them landing here, right. coming in low. They're always leaving, leaving. the airport. Oh. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, and, and just like anything else, the pilots fly. Like people drive. Some of them are real low when they go right, over. Some right. of them are real or a little bit higher. Yeah. And then some of them, you can hear them hitting the, I, I want to say air brakes. I may be wrong. I right, don't know. But right. you can hear them hitting them at certain times. Right. Well, you know, see, I don't know much about that because, you know, I'm usually on the core extra jet. <laughs> That's true, see? which is in the shop right now. Yes, it's in the shop. We're having some problems with it, so we're going to have to fly commercial for a few months. But usually I'm in the core extra jet, so I don't know about these things because I'm usually back there getting a manicure or a pedicure when I'm on the flight in our, in our jets. Speaking of flights, did you, did you see where uh, Australian Airlines fired all their uh, stewardess? I saw that. And now the pilots are the stewardess. I saw that. Yeah. Why did they do that? They uh, couldn't come to an agreement on a contract, and they literally said, sorry about your luck. We don't really need you to say coffee, tea. And, uh, <laughs> and since they've limited the flights right. and there's pilots not flying, the pilots are now the, the stewardess. Well, how long is that going to last? Um, till the corona <laughs> is taken care of. Well, that was like, remember when the, um, back in the 80s, when the air traffic controllers got on TV and said, well, what is he going to do, fire us all? Yeah. And the next day, Reagan fired all of them. Fired every one of them. <laughs> Fired every air traffic controller. That's they, what, you know. It was over a union issue. When you, you take them hard lines, you better watch out yeah, who you you're taking a hard line with. Yeah, you got to be careful. I'll never forget that. Uh, I, I'll never forget that. I was obviously much younger, but I'll never forget that guy saying, well, what was the president going to do, fire us all? Yeah. Six day, fired them all. Gone. Like it was nothing. Gone. So, Steve, you know, one of the things we like to do here at the Core Extra Podcast is, is um, communicate with our listeners. Yes. All five of them. Yes. We could, all, we could actually get them all in the room at the same time. Well. <laughs> and we still be within the guidelines of the, of the Rona. We actually have three letters today. Hmm. We had four, but the first letter was a duplicate. Right. And, and I thought, you know, last week, all we got was negative shit. Yeah, people so being negative. Why negative. is everybody so negative? I, I have no so idea. So we put out on our Twitter page. How about giving us a little bit of... How about some positivity? Yeah, or something that, you know, it doesn't even have to be about the podcast. Just right. just anything. You know, what we think. Yeah. So, in other words, it's time to let the people speak. Okay, Steve, so what is the first community? What was, are, are these all emails? These are all emails. Or do they drop letters in the post box. They didn't drop any this week in the post box. Did they ride their covered wagon down to the uh, post office? The Pony Express came through. Yeah. Okay, so let's hear the first email. Okay, now some of these we like to figure out where they are. Right. 
First one's from Sam from Locust, West Virginia. Never heard of it. You ever been there? No. West Virginia? Yes, I've been to West Virginia. Been West Virginia. Dog track. Oh, that's Down in West is? Virginia. Yeah. I thought it was Wheeling was where the dog track was. I, it went, I don't know if it's in Locust, but we were just in West Virginia. Oh, 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 oh okay. <laughs> West Virginia dog track. Oh, okay. And this comes from Sam. And this perfect right. first question, no negativity. Right. What do you think of garden gnomes? Garden gnomes? <laughs> what do I think of garden gnomes? Is he, did he ask you that or did he ask me? No, he just said, what do you think of garden gnomes? Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you. I have severe allergies, so I don't like gardens. I don't like to be around a bunch of flowers. I basically try to live and exist like a vampire. I like to come out at night, even though it's 7 o'clock in the morning now. <laughs> I like to come out at night, so I don't like to be in a garden or around a garden or be associated with a garden. Only because of, now as I say that, right here on the core extra veranda, you can hear the frog that's in the pond over here in the background, which is fine. But for me, no gardens. No garden gnomes? No garden gnomes. I don't know what they're for. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm, I'm really not sure what they're for, although we have a Cincinnati Bengal gnome <laughs> over here. Is it? Uh, Where is yeah, it? Yeah, he's under the tree. Oh. The only, the only problem I have with them is... The lot I used to live in a house where we had a huge garden, mm -hmm. and the person I lived with used to have ten to fifteen of the loved garden gnomes. Really? Yes. And the only problem I had with them is, like, you would go out the next day, uh -huh. and they were all in different spots. Like, you caught them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> caught they, them during the shift. Yeah, they had moved and they stop. And then you'd go inside, and they would be back in their spot. You know, <laughs> and they'd have a look on their face like, <gasps> yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like little Keebler elves running around the yard. Well, you know what? Speaking of that, like yards and all that, since I've always had out, and I'm not, you know, I'm not dying from the allergies. I just live with them. But since I've always had them, that is a whole area I'm ignorant to. Like you see these flowers here? Yeah. I don't know what they are. If you told me what they were, I wouldn't know what they are. Uh, like those plants under the tree over there? Yeah. I don't know what those are. It all is the same to me because I didn't grow up paying attention to it because I was never around it. So when people say, oh, I'm going to go work in the yard and plant flowers, I'm like, huh, okay. You know. Yeah, it's got to be I'm, a love. I'm totally I mean, luckily our gardener it. takes care of this place really well. Well, and he's a pretty good guy, too. Yeah. Well, so both of us are kind of a negative on the garden gnome. Yeah. That really is a stupid question, Sam. Yeah. Well, but we asked for it. Locust, West Virginia. Yeah, we asked for it. Okay. How come the uh, water fountain isn't on? Um, I don't know. Okay. What's the next letter? Um, this is Sandy from Nome, Alaska. Well, I know there's a Nome, Alaska. I know there's a Nome, Alaska. I'm not really sure exactly if I had to pinpoint it on a map where it would be. I, the, only, the only other place that I know is Fairbanks <laughs> and Nome, and it's well, so you know big. Oh, Juno. Oh, Juno, yeah. Yeah. So that's three. Three, and then there's the... What's the difference? Go yeah, ahead. Read, yeah. read, read. Well, here we go again with our negativity. Oh, I think you're lying about all these studio planes, boats, the core extra uh, veranda has. I flew into Cincinnati to try to find it, and I couldn't find anything. Explain yourselves. Well, first of all, I don't believe she flew into Cincinnati and got off of a plane 
and tried to find the core extra studio. I don't believe that. We could have just sent her a picture. <laughs> You're right. I don't believe that at all. Um, because she would have got on our Twitter page or something like that. And, um, but so it's not a public park. It's not like we invite people over every afternoon and sit around and have sandwiches. When we were in the studio, we used to have people in the studio. For din dinners. Yeah, and all of that. But, you know, next time you hear, I'll tell you what we'll do. The next time you hear. Uh, Sandy from Nome. Sandy from Nome. The next time you just happen to be passing by Ohio, just give us a shout, and we'll bring you down to the studio. She well, says she travels a lot, so oh, maybe yeah. she will stop here. Sure just she give does. us a, uh, for all you well, youngsters she, may not know, just give us a D.B. Cooper. <laughs> Drop in on us sometime. Right. Yeah, sure, Sandy. Sandy's just trying to stir trouble. Yeah. So, Steve, you have one more? Yes, this is our first foreign letter. First oh. one we've gotten so far. Unless you consider Nome, Alaska. That's pretty far away. <laughs> right. But uh, this is from South Africa. Oh, we're at South, South Africa. District 9? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to give it my best shot. Well, well, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. It just depends. The only thing, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, it's all according to how we see things. Right. <laughs> you know, I guess, you know, I could an, an, answer. I, I'm going to give it my best shot. I hope that answered your question. And keep those questions coming in. Well, that concludes another exciting segment of Let the People Speak. So, Steve, I think we just about covered everything. Now, what did we learn? We learned, number one, and most importantly, we learned how to speak District 9. District 9. Yes, we did. We learned how to speak that. I think you did a good job at answering his question. Well. And then we learned that if you get a strange letter in the mailbox... <laughs> Just don't answer. Don't, don't. Just shred it. If you open your mailbox, especially if you live in Circleville, just get rid of it. Forget about it. It's not important. You don't want to get involved. Well, we could start the Circleville letters up again. All we got to do is send one well, to well, somebody, to the post office. People will move out of Circleville, yeah. but they start getting letters again. And then, of course, we learned that uh, even be from beyond the grave, sometimes people check in to work. We learned that. Yeah, that was, uh, that's kind of an unusual, that, that's pretty scary. It's very unusual story. What do you think about it? Then we uh, continue to learn how to uh, keep safe. Oh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Elizabeth, who comes back here and helps our gardener uh, with all of the, oddly enough, our gardener's name is Stephen as well. And so Stephen and Elizabeth are, are the ones that come back here and, and do the garden because it's very nice. I should get some pictures of that up one day. Uh, send you some. Yeah, because they do a really good job. Shout out to them. And we learned that we must maintain social distance. Yes. We must maintain washing our hands. We must maintain using using alcohol. And we also learned that even though it's quiet where we are, it's maybe not so quiet everywhere else. And like whether it's out in Portland or whether it's on the border of India and China. So I think we're done for this week. Yeah, I think that concludes. And that concludes another exciting, thrilling episode of 
the Core Extra Podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. And Steve, if I could ask you to do a favor, will you just read that letter from District 9 one more time? And we will leave you guys with this. And again, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>